0: It's Amber Bradley, your host for the unscripted side of LP. It's Talk LP podcast time. Okay, Talk LP podcast time. We know you tuned in for a reason. It's your favorite time of the week. I'm Amber Bradley, host of Talk LP, of course, joined today by Meredith Black. So, uh, vice president of loss prevention and safety for PetSmart. Hi, Meredith. Hi, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. I was excited to, to join the show. I, uh, my, one of the uh, chops I had in my career was uh, Corp.com and I actually get excited doing um, things like this. Anytime you get to do something that's a little bit more creative and, and, um, and perhaps, you know, help someone think about something a different way is a lot, always a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I love that. I saw that in your background. And so we are like kindred spirits because I'm a communications nerd myself uh, not calling you a nerd, but saw the communications part in your um, background, and so jumping right into it, how do you feel? And we, you did also mention that you're media trained, which I I love. I think is uh, so cool. So tell us a little bit how that part of your career has helped you in the LP and safety space.
1: Yeah, I, I think um, when you look at the impact of something, someone, a decision. A policy a change Um, there's always the intended there's always the intended outcome and then there's always the unintended consequence and so when you look at the impact that something can have of course you want to be overt in what you hope to accomplish and you want to be overt in what's intended but I think you know the, the comms aspect of it is well how does it get to the person that it's really intended for and then is your message clear as far as your kind of clarity of action, matching your clarity of intent. And then ultimately when you think about all that it could impact, whether it's your customer, whether it's your um, the stakeholder, whether it's a partner, whether it's a, a pet parent, or whether it's a, um, you know, a solution provider partner even, you know how can the impact of that decision, that ripple effect that it can have can often start with how clear were you with the strategy and what you hope to accomplish from the outset.
0: I love that clarity of action versus clarity of intent. So that's like a full on meaty takeaway, right? Because for me, I'm already like, Oh, how could they misunderstand that email? It's super clear. And then I go back and read it. I was like, Oh, okay. That's a little unclear. So tell me about that concept and you know, how that, you know, has came to fruition in your career.
1: Uh, I think it starts with, well, if I was thinking about how it comes to fruition with my career, um, taking a moment when you have the opportunity and you're at sort of the intersection of, I could say yes to everything. I could do anything, but I can't do everything, right? And when you think about clarity of action versus clarity of intent, you have an opportunity to make a choice there where by whether it's you're stepping in and in potentially adding value or are you preventing you know someone else from having the opportunity for growth by just stepping into everything? So when I think about my leadership journey, clarity of action meaning clarity of intent, you know, while I could, you know, as you said a second ago, kind of geek out on all things like maybe Corpcom, or step too much into that into that lane on some things because I'm really comfortable there again what am I what am I doing by doing that Um, and so when I think about my my career my leadership journey where that where that sort of presented itself on on multiple uh, on multiple occasions I think it was also the the kind of decision to move into the LPN safety world in um, 2014 I was on the corporate affairs team and um, when I think about the opportunity it was that chance to say well You know, if my intent is to create the safest destination for pets and people, if my intent is to make us the most profitable retailer out there, um, and today I'm making an impact by making sure those on the front lines understand what their job is from a you know clarity of messaging perspective. um, You know, that that's sort of one way to do it, but. Is my clarity of action really matching my clarity of intent? If I if I want to have a true part in that, why aren't I taking that step into understanding uh, the impact I could make within LP and safety? And so that's to me where clarity of action needed to match clarity of intent. If I was intending on making a difference there are certain actions I would have to take and be a little scared. Um, And honestly, you know, getting comfortable being uncomfortable, stepping outside of my comfort zone um, into a world where, you know, if you don't know any better, LP can kind of sound like a big bummer, right? Like you're dealing with maybe bad guys and gals or, and, or, you know, injuries and things of that nature. Like that, that doesn't necessarily sound very uplifting to someone, but again, go back to your clarity of your clarity of intent, your clarity of intent is to be a change maker and inspire and attract right? You you have a chance to maybe use skills that you didn't naturally connect with LP and safety to help do that.
0: No, I love that. And, you know, for our audience out there, if you haven't met Meredith or you're not sure, so she uh, has been at PetSmart 24 years and has climbed the ladder from store operations even, which is so cool, right? To have that tool in your belt to where you've said, you know, I've done it store manager, you know, I've been there in the operations side. And I, we were just talking about this, that, you know, you have the VP title and have, you know, gone through the ranks of the other, you know, major titles in a retailer. And, you know, you're a quiet leader, right? I, I We were just talking about, I haven't met you yet. And know yeah, I'm always making my rounds at RELA and NRF and all of the other shows. And, and it's interesting and very cool, you know, that to find a VP that's not on every agenda, making the rounds of the trade shows. And I think there's kind of something to that, a leadership style, if you will, that, you know, you're focused on certain aspects of your career where you are, you know, giving back to the industry, just not in, I guess, the traditional way. And I wanted to talk to you a little bit about that because I think that that's cool for those out there that may say, look, that may not be my bag on every agenda of every trade show, but I still want to give back. Like you're a perfect example of that.
1: Oh, I, thank you for the compliment. Um, I've had a focus in uh, the leadership positions I've had the opportunity to, to help serve in, and I have kind of created a framework for myself that hasn't, hasn't steered me wrong yet. Um, I refer to it as Pebbles, and it's, it's not in the uh, correct spelling of the word, but it's sort of more of a phonetic acronym, if you will. And, um, and this gets back to what you were just mentioning about being a quiet leader. So um, Pebbles for me stands for people, ethics, budget, long-range planning, and strategy execution. And the reason I kind of live by pebbles is when I think about um, how I can invest my time in being intentional, you always want the majority. And you know, the first thing you're spending your time on is people and how you can make careers meaningful for them. Um, how you can make sure that it always feels like work worth doing. And while sure, you know, in LP and safety like that, it's gonna be a grind sometimes because when you think about value and showing that, you know, you've gotta have um, certainly culture and continuous improvement, but you've gotta have consistency and constancy to purpose. So before you can ever expect constancy to purpose, you. Again, always have to start with people, um, and not that ethics comes second, right? But you know, the people always have to be first, and your ethics and your ability to, to uh, meet those budgets and plan from an OGA perspective, of course, that's that's table stakes. You know, you, you have to enter with with, of course, being able to deliver value, um, long range planning because you're thinking about not not just next year, the next two years, you're thinking about three years out, and what are the dominoes that you're setting up so that you can you know continue that. Society sustained delivery of improved results. And then um, when you look at uh, strategy execution, you think about that. It sounds as simple as, hey, you did what you said you were going to do. But that also means being relevant you know, at the end of the day, if you're, if you have designs to go after a particular initiative, that's going to deliver value. And and it does that, but you didn't do it at the right time. And it was actually disruptive to the distribution centers of the stores or your partners and their resources, right? Like the, then, then that kind of obviously can hurt your credibility, but it also diminishes your ability to to drive sustainable results. And so going back to your, you know, your point about, you know, I seem like kind of a quiet leader. I haven't been maybe as, as much spending time you know, on the circuit and whatnot, I wanna make sure that we always have a, a voice that can come across as value added and, and starting with be kind and be useful, right? And you know, doing those two things and doing them consistently over time if that can add value to others, then great. Um, what I'm trying to do here is making sure that the, uh, the careers of the people that have committed um, themselves to you know, again, safest destination for pets, keeping the pack safe, our overall culture and protecting profit. That's what's the most important to me right now. And I think um, over the last year I think my peers and I have had a lot of opportunities to collaborate because of, sadly, because of the COVID-19 pandemic um, through uh, various channels, uh, primarily the Asset Protection Leaders Council with RILA, um, where we've gotten the chance to, to share ideas and, and actually be more sort of vulnerable and, and create more of a spirit of belonging. Not that there wasn't one in the LP community. We're a tight community, right? Not a lot of us. Um, but I think that's an area where if, if I had something else, you know, to, to add a value, it's around the idea of, Uh, Belonging and inclusion, of course, diversity, right? But the idea of actually getting more of those perspectives behind what I mentioned originally, which how do we continue to put people first? How do we, you know, incite more conversations about women in lo- and leadership and loss prevention. And some, some of those things that you, you perhaps don't see, but we have this really great quiet strength that's sort of building. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that's not, that's not all over different circuits and things like that. So I think it's, it's great to amplify those voices. And um, if there's one thing I would like to spend more time on doing, it's, it's that to create a new sort of narrative, because I think there's a narrative out there that mm-hmm. has sort of existed that perhaps at one point LP is considered a boys club perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, and that it's sort of the same people doing the same things and in the same way. Um, and you know, I'm proud to say that, that my team is nothing like that, uh, but I don't think for a second that I'm the only team that's nothing like that. Um, so I think it's kind of incumbent upon us that know while yep I've been quiet and focusing on my pebbles um over here I think the big rocks that we have in front of us to really create LP as a destination career for many as opposed to here's how I wound up in LP I think that you know that's something more that would be great to hear from others on too.
0: Yeah that's a great point you know you hear that so often so how'd you get into this yeah and then you almost roll back with not boredom but you're like it's it's just you fell into it again like that's the story. And we'll, hopefully we'll see the shift where people are saying, well, I talked to Meredith and then that was my career, right? Um, okay, so switching gears a little bit, I'm always fascinated about people that can navigate uh, corporate culture, right? So figuring out the politics and playing nice, um, I think, I'm sure folks watching this are like, yeah, no surprise Amber, that I basically say whatever is in my head, which doesn't bode well for the political structure. So talking about, you know, PetSmart and, and it sounds just off the cuff, that it's an incredible culture and how could it not be? You know, you've got a bunch of people that love animals, right? Um, but thinking about, you've spent 24 years there and and navigating from, you know, all the way up from the stores. And, you know, a lot of people that are listening to this are early in their career. and And, you know, you get some leaders on here that have, gone to different they've made a move to get that new title and stuff not saying that's wrong but interesting in your path how did what are some advice that you would give or anything that was just like man that was tough from uh navigating the internal side of things because man you know to last that long without getting in some major conflict that you just that you decide to leave is like foreign to me so talk a little bit about that
1: yeah i i I guess what i would say is um three things that rang true for me uh in navigating first of all the opportunities right like how do you get an opera the biggest question that I had when I was still and still am, by the way, still working through, you know, my career and learning every day. But one of the questions I have when I was in the stores and in the field was um, How do I get that first opportunity to to matter to someone that's at a, at the corporate office or to have an opportunity just to even be exposed to that and or um, have a chance to make an impact at the at the all store or all DC level, that kind of thing. Um, and three things that really uh, that stuck with me was the idea of know the future. So You know, what are you, how are you adding value by understanding your industry better? How are you pulling in external perspectives to help others feel like they can stay, you know, make better decisions because they understand what's coming? So know the future, number one, Um, drive value, not costs. So when you think, again, back to your question about navigating a landscape, you always want, of course, you know, LP by nature is a cost center, right? It's not like we're over here making widgets and, you know, and selling, you know, we're not merchandising things. Um, While we protect margin and so on, we're not, we're not merchants so when when I think drive value, not cost, it's you want to, of course, if you're asking for something or you have an idea of something that could be of value, finish your thought. And that means um, you want to, of course, have a a clear ROI, a clear business case. You also want to be able to have a very, a, a very good understanding of how does this help us win in the short term? Or the long term so that you can help people make choices if it's vague if you share an idea and it's vague and you've not sort of thought that part of it out someone's gonna come and think that part of it out for you right so you know by by knowing the future you know what's coming what are trends we're gonna have to react to um, driving value not cost and the third one keep it simple if your idea is hard to share, if your proposition is hard for someone else to tell someone else about, and that kind of goes back to my core comm experience a little bit. Um, but keeping it simple, obviously that helps in execution, that helps in, in generating interest, that helps in you know creating that business case and, and being able to you know navigate some of that landscape. Those three things, not that they're the only things that are important, but um, those are kind of t- table stakes for having others kind of desire to perhaps work with you or, or wanna listen more. Um, so I'd say that that's kind of a building block. But when you think about what you asked, which was more around the, the 24 years and, and what are some big moments that were sort of scary and how do you kind of come out, come out of that? Um, I think everyone has them, right? And they're scary to you for different reasons. And, and I think that's real for everybody. But um, I would say, you know, things that stand out in my mind is when there has been productive conflict, because there's a point in a, Um, There's a point in whether you want to call it the political landscape or just, you know, navigating different Mm -hmm. levels of leadership. There's a point in that where, you know, we're all human, right? So someone is either trying to protect themselves or trying to protect the people that work for them or perhaps trying to protect resources for another initiative. So when you're navigating through those conversations, think about it as how can i be invited back how can i make this productive conflict how can i walk away with that person knowing that i wanted to understand their no at a deeper level that i wanted to understand how to advocate for their business so that you're not taking a taking it away as i got to know or you know i created a a Fill in the blank storm out of this conversation, but that they actually think that I have a vested interest in in what it is that you know they're a, a stakeholder of or that they're trying to accomplish longer term. So you know if I was giving any advice on the yes, know the future, drive value not cost, keep it simple, but also make sure you can be invited back. Really find value in productive conflict because that'll make your focus going into some of those conversations really different. Because if you're going in trying to win or you're going in trying to get the yes likely you're gonna get a lot more fails than you eventually get that yes, but it's not gonna feel like a failure if you left with productive conflict or you left someone with the idea of, oh, okay, that person yeah. knows their stuff. And actually I'm good, glad to know them even though I told them no, I think they're gonna, you know, they, they get it and they'll probably advocate for my business.
0: Yeah, and that's a pretty mature perspective, right? Because you gotta, I guess, really put your ego aside because you've just been told no, or something that you're not getting right to where you're like, Oh, initially you're like, Oh, that hurts. And my, you know, well, I'll tell you why I'm right. And it's almost (laughs) like, well, maybe a different perspective to understanding is what you're saying. Yes. Yes. All right. So if you could talk to, I don't know who it is 20 year old Meredith, you know, on her way, I always love this question. I, I ask everybody, but, um, what would you tell her, right? I mean, I don't know if it's career, if it's life, if it's, you know, what would you say that if I could go back and tell the 20 year old Meredith, um, what would you say?
1: I'd say Meredith communicate for connection and not for control. Ooh, Because oh. a, lot of, a lot of times when you're backed into a corner, um, you know, you, you tend to want to, you know, explain away something or, if you feel like someone's, you know, even from a leadership perspective, if you feel, feel like someone's not going to execute something or, or do something to your standards, some call it micromanaging, but sadly, you know, it's using your ability to communicate with someone instead of exhibiting frustration or trying to control the situation, how are you actually connecting with them instead so that They actually have their own sort of inspiration to want to do well at something and that applies to whether it's your direct report or whether it's your um, You know your partner uh, or whether it's you know someone that's uh, that you're that you're working with Um, If you focus on communicating for connection versus control, it makes things so much easier I learned that lesson in real time every day with my kid um, that if I spent more time trying to connect as opposed to trying to control, um, that gives you a lot more opportunity to actually get to a really good place. So that, that would be my advice. for my That's years. a
0: tweetable, man. I'm telling you, that, hit home, that hits home with me because, you know, I mean, there's a certain level of being a woman executive, right? That you're a bit, not you, I'm saying me, or the general you, the collective you, right? That it's hard, we're type A, we're hard drivers. You know, we're a little, okay, I'm a little bit controlling, right? Because you want things just so, because that's where you're gonna get there. And so that's that's a, that's a really good. I'm like sitting here like, man, that's some like- i let Renee you know Brown when stuff. I'm
1: really good at it. Oh,
0: <laughs> it's constant, okay this is more of a tactical question really just because I'm curious. Okay. I don't, you know, audience just bear with me for a second. So you have safety under your purview. Right. Um, and I'm a big dog fan. I don't know. I don't know who else is not a big dog fan. Right. I mean, dog cats, everything, animals in general. Okay. But you know, you guys pet smart were, I mean, I think one of the first to have have pets in the store, right. That you can bring your dog into the store. So, from a safety perspective, I'm just curious, like, does that open up just a whole nother realm that you have to deal with that Johnny brought in his pit bull into the store? You know what I'm saying? Like yes. I think of that all the time. And now I have someone that can answer, like, is that a nightmare? Like, what's going on with that? How do you even deal with that?
1: It's, uh, we are, we're grateful for the opportunity, right? Like, I mean, this, honestly, what our our team exists because there are, um, we, we have chances to make choices, right? We're grateful as a company that we have the chance to do that. And one of those is to, you know, enrich the lives of people through pets. And um, if we bubble wrap it and keep the doors locked, we would never have you know any kind of a, an altercation or potential you know for, for injury to take place sure but um, when you think about what we're here to do, we're, help, we're here to help create more responsible pet owners. We're here to help um, you know create some goodness in a community and we're here to get more pets adopted and educate um, and and also in doing that, take really great people who love pets and give them careers where they get to do this stuff that they get to geek out on about, you know, every single day of, the, of their lives. You know, myself included. I started at PetSmart um, as a, as an associate scoop and fish and I loved it, you know, yeah, and I am, cool. I am your resident, you know, fish yeah. geek all the way right here.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but, yeah. you know, what I, what I, to answer your question, as far as is, is that, you know, a challenging from a, a safety perspective, Sure, those are different. Those are potential risk factors. But, you know, our, our focus as a team is, like I said earlier, keeping the pack safe and protecting profits. So how do you keep the pack safe? You make it everyone when you think about everyone in the store, all the all the employees, all the associates that are in the store, everyone is accountable to helping someone be safe. And everyone has to be ready to hear feedback if they're not doing something safely, because that's our number one job is to be the safest experience and the safest destination for pets and people. And, you know, if if at any point, you know, we're not in that mode of being engaged, our leaders uh, knowing what the right behaviors are, um, our associates not looking out for one another, of course things can happen. Um, and so we, while our goal is never to, you know, to say an entire no and bubble wrap a situation. Our goal is to help the business walk the tightrope safely so that we can deliver on those bigger uh, whys, which, you know, are what I, what I mentioned about really making a difference. Um, and when you look at the landscape, yes, you know, I've, I've got uh, people safety and pet safety and you know, total retail loss in the, in the sense that we've all heard it. Um, Investigations and so on for you know digital and brick and mortar asset protection, um, business continuity, all those things. Um, and, and that sounds like it can be a lot. Uh, but truly, when you have things set up the right way, it's not LP and safety pushing the boulder uphill. It's enabling partners with things that will actually make a, a material difference in what they thought their outcomes could be, uh, whether it's productivity or margin or things of that nature. So, you know, at the end of the day, that we're we're not an LP and safety organization that is. Um, siloed or closed off or creepy. Like, we're, we're, our, our goal is to be invited to the table. We, we, we will offer guidance that can um, in, ensure the opposite of what you were describing, which is, yep, we want the safe experience and all of that. We'll offer guidance to get there and we'll offer guidance on doing it while walking the tightrope um, and, and being an inform, you know, to the, to the business and, and, again, being invited back. So um, all that to say, yeah, it's definitely a different landscape than when you walk into you know, you're, you're maybe more traditional retailer that doesn't have services or doesn't perhaps sell pets, but I wouldn't have it any other way. We have the best sort of um, kind of passion naturally from our associates because we're talking about things that are fluffy and cute and have four legs and so on. And it, I mean, I, personally, I think it's probably a lot easier to inspire around love um, as opposed to some of the, the hard goods aspects of maybe other retailers. So... It's kind of a long-winded answer, but I kind of love it.
0: (laughs) No, it's interesting. And you can tell, right? And you have passion for it, which I think is so key, right? But, you know, it's, you make the point of of driving it all the way through the organization, which I think is just incredible, right? It's, it's a culture instead of safety practices, you know on a reading sign or something, yeah. you know, which which is huge. And and you've certainly offered a ton of meat in this. Um, and so if our audience doesn't have writer's cramp, they're just hitting that wow. rewind button for 15, 30 seconds. And I know Brett Ward, our friend, wanted to be the co-host of this. The schedule didn't work out, but we have to give him a shout out.
1: She's Brett, got their challenge. I still going. have my coin. And we can rack that up as as probably one of the more terrifying experiences of my life was demonstrating a rationalization in front of Brett and 30 other people the day that I learned them. (laughs) Ooh,
0: yeah, that would make an impact for sure. Thank,
1: thank you, Brett. That helps me That helps me when I'm feeling anxious about something. At least it's not that, but it was one of the best yeah, it's learning a experiences of my a, life.
0: Yeah, that's a, that's a great benchmark. I can't imagine. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much, Meredith. We really appreciate you stepping into the Talk LP podcast hot seat. It was definitely worth it. We really appreciate your time. Thanks so much.
1: It was a pleasure. Thank you.